I am joined today on Between the Levees by Ross Clark, Sales and Business Development for Basin Fleet. Ross, thank you very much for joining me. Yes, sir. It's my pleasure. I know you've seen the show before. You know how this goes. Please begin with, uh, where were you born? I was actually born in Franklin, uh, Louisiana, even though I've, I've grown up my whole life here in Morgan City, Berwick uh, area. And where is Franklin compared to where you are? Uh, it's about 20 minutes towards Lafayette from here. Okay. Yeah, and, it's a little uh, small town. You were born there. When did y'all move over to Morgan City? Or are you in Berwick? I've been Berwick. Uh, went to Berwick, you know, elementary all the way through high school. And uh, I never lived in Franklin. I think that was just the closest hospital my mom could get to at the time. <laughs> I was ready to, you know, hit the ground running. Uh, tell me about your uh, your early academic career. Uh, well, to be honest, in high school, wasn't too worried about what I was going to do outside of that. But once I graduated, I just got this fire under me, you know, and got really interested in in the family business and went to Nichols and uh, did the management program there with a maritime concentration, which was pretty cool. It has some industry professionals come in um, and speak to you, give you a brief overview of like the offshore market and what an OSV is and stuff like that. And uh, after that, you know, I kind of was actually going to Nichols while stepping into a leadership position at Basin, which was was a unique uh, experience for me because I was able to go to go to school and then right outside of school, come right into to the to the office and try and apply what I learned. Um, I learned a lot doing that. And I learned a lot on the way to Nichols. It's about 45 minutes uh, away. And I listened to business books the whole way there and the whole way back. Tell me the story of Basin. This is your father's company? Yes, sir. My dad, Mike Clark, started it in 1993. Uh, and before that, his mom, my grandma, had uh, Basin Offshore, at, well, Basin Marine. And uh, she came from Black Towing which was an older company back in the seventies. And uh, from what I understand, when that, when that company started to sell off its, its assets or close down, um, my grandma did such a good job, you know, long-term bookkeeper for the company. Uh, he actually gifted her a tug. And from that one tug, she kind of grew it with my dad into nine offshore and inland tugboats and towboats. Um, yeah, we used to do all the assist work before it was even required here. Uh, it's a pretty interesting story. But once the the 80s kind of happened with that downturn, uh, we had to sell off the the boats and we diversified. That was my dad's, you know, um, idea to diversify away from the vessel side of things and into the fleeting. And uh We've been doing fleeting and, and barge loadouts ever since. Before we get too far ahead, does your mother work? Or is she part of the business? So my mom actually passed away last year. Um, she had COPD and emphysema, um, lung transplant, all that stuff. Uh, but she was at, she got her master's degree in um, child psychology from LSU, and she was always working at the, the centers here. Um, so she took a different 
different direction with her career. And were they married when uh, when your father started Basin? Yes, they were married. Um, they got divorced when I was 12. Uh, but before that, uh, when everything, you know, was being formed and it's actually Basin's incorporation date is March 12th, technically 1993. And I think he was trying to do it on my birthday because it was March 11th. Um, so that's, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that until, you know, I got into more details here. But um, yeah, they they divorced and but they had a great relationship. You know, it didn't really affect me at all. Uh, they were cordial and nice and friends afterwards. And so uh, my mom really raised me and I just uh, visited with my dad, you know, whenever I could. What was life growing up in Morgan City? And, and, and how were you? Uh, I guess, were you aware of the business? Were you paying any attention to any of that growing up? You know, I, my dad brought me here to the fleet. Uh, he let me drive, you know, messing around in his lab with some, some of the, you know, forklifts and stuff and all of that. But I really, it was just kind of out of my, my world, you know, of, of worrying at the time. I was really just trying to be a kid, I guess. But um, growing up in Morgan City, uh, I would say as a, a lifer here, uh, you either love it or you hate it. You know, um, if you like to fish and hunt and ski and, you know, all that good stuff, it's the perfect place. And uh, I was fortunate to have a really good, you know, childhood, in my opinion. I got to spend a lot of time on the water. Um, I fished and and uh, liked to wakeboard and stuff like that growing up. And uh, that's pretty much, you know, what I did growing up. Nothing else, really. Well, tell me after college, you joined the company, but what is your, how does your career develop? And, and, and I guess, have you taken any control? Is your father still involved? My, my dad is, he's still the owner and, um, but he's basically retired. He he's hands off. He doesn't want to get in the way, you know, um, and that's kind of where he stands. You know, we bring him in with certain decisions and all of that good stuff, but, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much where he is. I forgot what what was the original question. Well, I guess just the history and development the, of uh, of the business, how how it grew from '93 to when you arrived. Sure. So my dad, he went to LSU as well, and he had a good fraternity buddy there, um, Tom Dowie, who was the VP of the of Canals Deck Bars Division, and uh, that's you know, between him and Mr. Louie, I think they just set everything up and, and we're now one of their largest fleeters uh, for their offshore and major, you know, um, construction barges. And, uh, you know, we really did that for years and years. And uh, when I finally took a a leadership position, it was really a sink or swim type environment. And I just had to figure it out. And, uh, it really, it was a interesting business for me because it's, it's just at the time, all we did was fleet deck barges, which if you know the maritime industry, traditional fleeting doesn't normally involve this many uh, large, abnormally, you know, sized deck barges. Um, it's usually like the regulation 135s, you know, all of that stuff. 
and I mean 195 I'm sorry uh and you could so to give you an idea our fleet can fit you know 90 hopper barges regulation size but we can only really hold 30 of these deck barges so they're not very efficient to fleet but we're in the right place for them to do you know for ideal construction projects and uh it took me a while to figure out you know uh how to open up the South fleet into more traditional fleeting. Um, and that's really what the South fleet did that really opened up a lot of the, you know, traditional fleeting in and outs and, and all of that for the Kirby's and Ingram's and, you know, uh, enterprise, a lot of these companies, they fleet short term with us. And, uh, that was a big, a big aha moment for me, at least, uh, in figuring everything out, because I really had to call people around the industry and just kind of ask, well, how do you, you know, how do you run your fleets in Mississippi, you know, in the river? Uh, and, you know, luckily the industry's, you know, filled with a lot of people that don't mind reaching back and, and helping other people figure things out. And, uh, that's really how I figured out most of basin and, you know, from there, we went into really trying to expand on, you know, the boat side. We have the Basin Endeavor, which does the assist work and all of that uh, during high water. And I wanted to get another vessel and kind of start up the, the Basin Marine side again. And uh, in 2019, we actually were able to to get a contract and, and get it going with uh, Cooper, Cooper Marine. And uh, that worked out great, but uh, I always joked, you know, my dad and the old timers, they kind of always talk about the oil and gas heydays, you know, uh, just so much work, you know, nobody knows what to do. Uh, and I really feel like I'm I'm bad luck for this, this industry because all I've known is, you know, the 2015 downturn, uh, you know, sub chapter M and COVID. Yeah. So uh, I haven't seen any heyday yet, but I, I definitely enjoy what I do and enjoy um, the maritime industry. I think it's just absolutely fascinating. And uh, even the assist work, you know a lot about the assist work. And um, it's a very unique aspect of our business because it's not really, you know, uh, our core business is high water cannot be there sometimes the whole year. But um I, I definitely uh, enjoyed watching Lieutenant Tim on your last episode. Uh, I consider him a good friend and worked with him very closely when he was at the MSU Morgan City branch. And, uh, you know, just the whole combination of how the Coast Guard and the assist boat companies work together during high water to, you know, kind of enforce and help the Coast Guard manage their restrictions uh, is was all a whole new world to me as well. Um, and I really loved it because I think it's it's a great example of, you know, military branches working with, you know, operators like us and actually making a, a good, you know, big difference in my opinion. And um, yeah, after, after the assist work, um, and doing the the kind of South Fleet opening it up and everything, I'm actually now that I have you know a new general manager, I'm really focused on expanding the loadout side of our business. 
uh, we're doing some, you know, with these deck barges that we we outfit and put the grillage and, and all of that stuff on there, uh, they're used for heavy marine construction projects. And, you know, we're in an ideal location, you know, we're 18 miles, you know, as the crow flies to the to the Gulf and anything that's doing uh, any any company doing heavy construction offshore works great from here and uh i'm interested in trying to push for the wind farm stuff we outfitted a barge a while back um for doing uh the wind one project and they'll out we'll do the grillage and then they'll ship the barge to the east coast um where they'll actually load it out and everything but uh yeah that for me you know really just that uh that resourcefulness is what I, I really gained, you know, in being able to step into a leader, having the blessing and, uh, you know, luckiness to even be able to step into a, a position here. Uh, it really showed me what experience and, you know, being resourceful can do for you when trying to manage a company and grow it. Um, there's so many factors that, that pop up and, you know, if it was easy, I would say I, I've learned that, you know, everyone would do it. And uh, there's a reason few make it. And it's because it's a difficult, difficult world to be in. Do you have siblings in the business? I had my sister. I have one older sister, Alex, and she used to run the accounting department. Um, she decided to go, you know, to a different, different business and kind of start her own career and, and you know do her own thing and uh but I really enjoyed working with her uh we we made a good team and it was really just me and her in here for a while um making it happen you know and then I got uh slowly built the team out and uh I've been fortunate to find some really good good people that uh really just make you know the company look good because if there's one thing I've learned an employee can exponentially you know make a company better or vice versa completely do just as much damage if they don't do their job and and uh so it's it's given me a, a really deep appreciation for the people that work for us because you know they they make the company work they're the they're the gears and and you know also that reminds me when i was stepping into a, a leadership position I was 23, so I really built, you know, rapport with everyone here by starting with, I don't know anything, you know, uh, but I do know we all same team and I need your help, you know, with the boats or the repairs, you know, and, and so it really kept me humble and uh, always kind of uh, leading with, you know, whoever I'm speaking to, they're the experts, you know, um, and, uh, we're all just kind of building that team culture and, and, and things like that. It was, it was all just, um, I swear the last 10 years, I don't know where they went because it, it's just went by so quick. And, uh, it's, it's been a really fun ride and, uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, what we're going to be able to get off the ground in the future. There's got, we've got some really good opportunities coming up. Well, speaking of uh, employees, 
and carry your business. Tell me a little bit about Larry. Where'd you get him from and just where's oh, he been for you? So when I, again, when I was, you know, it was almost like we've been here forever, you know, since 93, but you know, when I came on, we were kind of rebuilding, you know, the, the team and, and trying to push for some, some growth, you know, and, uh, man, I begged Larry for months trying to get him to come take over the, the fleeting side, because I was having to manage the company, manage the boat and do the fleeting and dispatching. And it was, it's just hard to do wear all those hats. And, uh, I knew I needed somebody and my father-in-law, Charlie Beza, he works for Seacorp Marine. And uh, I asked him if he knew anybody that he trusted and and that could do a good job. And he led me on to Larry. And after that, you know, I just bugged him and <laughs> begged him. He came and, and looked at the facility and, and he was very cautious about everything. And again, it, it you know, being a smaller company, uh, if, if they don't know who you are, you really have to, it's like selling the business to the employee as well. They have to believe in the, in the leadership, the vision, you know, um, the, the opportunities that the company has moving forward. And, uh, so I learned a lot about, about selling the company, not just to, to people, but I mean, to customers, but to people and, uh, it was funny because Larry, when he, when he first came over, he was at Intratug and I don't know how many boats they have, but they have more than basin. I think they have nine, something like that, or six. And they, they just acquired Deloach. So they have added okay. more. <clears throat> okay. Gotcha. Countrywide. I think they're at 30 something. Wow. Okay. Right. So they're growing. Yeah. That's cool. But he told me that he would be bored. That was kind of his main, he might be bored here. And uh, I felt like when he said that for the first time, like, am I doing something wrong? Because I'm not bored. I feel overworked and, you know, being on call all the time, it just felt like, well, maybe, maybe it's just hard for me at the time I remember thinking it. And then, you know, when he finally made the decision to come over, you know, I spent a few months with him, walking him through how we do things. And he happened to come on right, you know, when the high water of 2019 came in to the Berwick Bay, which is just the most high water we've ever had. I think it lasted over a year. You know, it just never ended. And so during high water, we're very busy. And, you know, he found that out uh, really quick and because it's not like traditional boat work it's it's like each each job is its own individual invoice own boat log everything and uh so it's not like on autopilot with some of these these guys where it's a day it's basically a daily log sent to the customer but he i can say i always joke if you know i had nine of Larry, nine larrys i could take over a small country because the man works he just it's what he does. He loves it. He likes being here. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better, better manager for, for Basin for sure. Maybe I'll catch him on this show one of these days. Oh yeah. He would be, he would be a character for sure. Yeah. Well, getting back to something you had said, of course, avoiding anything too contentious of recent years, but you said uh, y'all were doing the assist work before it was needed. And it was a bit of a story there that you, 
bypass. Tell me that one. Yeah. So uh, interesting enough, the train bridge here in, in Berwick, you know, Morgan City area, uh, it was at one point uh, one of the most hit bridges in the United States. And, you know, which is unique because we're in Little Morgan City where, you know, it's very, it's like a blind spot for a lot of people. But during high water, you have three bridges to navigate through. And uh, when you get through, if you're going southbound, to get through the the train bridge and actually make the turn the train bridge prevents most toes from being able to turn when they should so that's where the assist comes in a lot of times for at least high water um where it's just shoving you into the to the uh to the bank and so that's that spurred the vts zone the it's a federally mandated, you know, um, vessel traffic system ran by the U.S. Coast Guard. And that's how I met Mr. Uh, Mr. or Lieutenant Tim. And uh, we work very closely with them. But the bridges at first, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a expert historian in the original bridges and what was on them. But I'm pretty sure the moonlights the the lights to, to help guide them and everything my dad played a role in working with the coast guard and setting up you know that's kind of how basin got its start for a while is you know we did all the assist work through the bridges at one point i mean all of it and we and our biggest customer was actually uh hollywood marine which i thought was interesting because i think at the time kirby bought them they were actually bigger than kirby um which I, I always find things like that inspiring, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, we we did tons of assist work through here. That's really, you know, to the best of my knowledge, you know, how we got our start in a lot of areas here, and um, how we're known as well. It's, I mean, honestly, every toe. There's so many toes. I think the volume, like Tim said not in in aggregate or or commodities but the the sheer volume of toes those boats coming through here is what did he say like one second, of the highest areas second yeah. most in the country I, I don't know the statistics but i believe it because you know uh it it's it's crazy i just i just they had someone just run into the old 182 bridge um they had a spud barge and the spuds hit the hit the bottom of the bridge and uh, the sheriff's department was kind of letting everybody know the bridge is closed. But uh, it's just mind-boggling to me that so many people here either know and completely are immersed in the maritime industry or some don't even know what river they're crossing over, you know. And uh, there's a whole world of, of things that go on, you know, underneath them as they commute to their jobs. And uh it's it's pretty fascinating but back to the the moonlights um and the the cis work you know from everything that i've been brought up learning you know and knowing it, it's really most just like the subchapter m's and all the regulations most of the time they're written in blood in a sense that you know there was so many accidents going on in this area it actually spurred the you know uh bts zone being placed here and uh i mean it's still here and and i can't imagine what the waterway would look like here if 
these toes just had i'm i'm assuming now you know the the majors you know like a kirby they would mandate it themselves if it wasn't already here be just to mitigate the risk right well what does the future look like for basin did you say there's kind of more opportunity possibly offshore yeah for me you know we we just bought beers island which is uh right across from us and it's going to provide us 2.2 miles of waterfront to fleet on here so step one you know has always been expand the fleeting because we kind of depended on how busy the waterway is we'll we'll get you know um at capacity and can't and we'll have to turn away toes which we don't want to do that um so and i got the i got beers island everyone here you know knows that people and um very easily and and i get asked the question a lot how did you know i managed to purchase it and the same way i got larry to work here you know uh i found out through the assessor site who owned it some some old i guess banking family um owned it and i just got the guy's number started talking to him and aggravated him for a year he stopped answering my phone and I started calling his lawyer and aggravating his lawyer. And eventually, I guess I was just there when they decided they needed to sell it or for whatever reason. And we bought it. Um, and that is a big um, step for us in the in the direction that I'm I'm wanting to go. Uh, I think I'm going to take a break from the boats for a minute and only focus, you know, for the first time since I've been here, I'm only focusing on heavy project cargo, barge loadouts, you know, heavy marine construction. We work so well with the heavy haulers all the way up to the feed and, you know, uh, feed companies. Like, I don't know if you know the feed, you know, acronym, but it's uh, front-end engineering and design. So it's like the McDermott's, Saipam, uh all the majors that they'll they'll help build these plants for chevron you know and we have relationships with all of them you know right down to the survey companies we have an amazing you know going on 30 year relationship with canal barge uh you know we work so well with their operations team it's like we're the same company we know what they're they're gonna want and vice versa with the with the the feed companies and and heavy haulers like Mammut or Berard, Barnhart, Edwards, you know, we just have contacts with all of them. And uh, we, we have really built a niche here for us. You know, uh, we're not, we're, we're considered, I guess, a shipyard, but we're also a barge fleeting company, you know, with a boat, you know, so we're really an all in one facility and uh it's really showing its efficiency now that i'm i'm focused on the barge load outside because you know it, it i've been pushing the whole streamline your your load out but what i've noticed is the communication between these companies is is key because there's so many little moving parts and if you don't have someone on the ground who knows you know how to do the job communicating to every part of the puzzle that that gets these these major plants built um it can it can set you back a lot and so future wise i'm really wanting to get into more wind farm stuff i know they opened up or or just started the leasing for wind farms in the gulf uh we're a perfect position 
to help with those loadouts. Um, and I really, you know, Secor, they have these two buildings in Patterson that I purchased uh, maybe two years ago. They're perfect for fabri fabrication and machine work. I wanted to put some CNC machines in there and uh, do some pre prefabricated parts and uh, small parts and, you know, manufacturing. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I'm really pushing to start hopefully manufacturing small or not small, but components for these wind farms. Um, I think it would be ideal and, and we're positioned well for it. So I'm really just trying to get the word out, you know, that I know, I know we joke with canals sometimes because we just recently in the past couple of years started um, pushing, you know, what we do here. Cause a lot of times we're able to just hand it off to canal you know, they do a great job, but then what we were finding is their customers are technically our customers. So we needed to let their customers know, you know, how great we are, you know, and, and let them know that, you know, we're, we're an integral part to making their project go efficiently and smoothly. And, uh, once we started doing that, you know, everyone would, I, it was surprising how many people said, Oh, I thought y'all, y'all were a, you know, a canal owned or something. And I, I joke with them because it's like, we're kind of canals best kept secret. Uh, and so that's, that's really what I'm, I've been really enjoying doing the sales and business development. It's honestly, um, I don't know about the social media posting and all of that stuff, but I love talking and digging into what you know what we could do to be better what are the what is the blind spot in their market that they're not getting from you know say another basin somewhere and uh i love that aspect of it and you know so i'm loving it so far and you know for me that's that's really where where we're going with in in my opinion the next five years hopefully we'll have another boat we're sub chapter M, you know, compliant. We've got the endeavor sired. Um, but for the most part, we have opportunities with boats. We have opportunities to build barges. We're not set up to build barges. And it's really that starts, we're going to get out of our niche. But for me, I, the hardest part is figuring out which direction to run in. Um, because, you know, I definitely am a blue sky thinker and think anything's possible and i just feel like we're set up to do really anything in this industry we want to do it's just finding the best best place to create the most value for everyone here and for me and the company right now it's doing barge loadouts um for these heavy marine construction projects and handling the assist work and and continuing to do the barge fleeting um, I'd love to get another spot, you know, right in the river up the Port Allen route. Uh, I think the combined value of a fleet here and right on the other side, you know, in the in the river would be great because I've always had ideas of cutting that leg of the trip out, that logistical portion of the path of, you know, these companies bringing toes down that are going to go west um, and vice versa. You know, I think that's a, a good next step for us or another, another fleet further uh, west towards Texas, you know, uh, 
those are all great opportunities. But I think for now, I'm really just focusing on building the biggest moat I can around Basin. And what really helps me is I, I read that book, The Hedgehog, you know, method. And I forget the author, but it really stuck with me that because in this industry, everyone is huge for me, at least looking at, you know, who, how am I going to compete with these boat companies that have, you know, Intertug last I, I checked had six. Now they got whatever, you know, 30. Uh, you can, It's hard for us to get our, our little our leg in the door with certain jobs like that. But so to get me to kind of pull back and, and rethink the strategy is what can basin be the best in the world at well you know we're the best in the world currently at fleeting and doing barge loadouts off the you know intercoastal waterway at the confluence of the Chapalaya river and the intercoastal waterway you know uh we're the gateway to the west and so my job now is to focus on making sure everyone knows it and to build that moat, you know, um, that's, that's really, uh, that actually created a lot of peace of mind for me because at one point I went through my career really going in every direction. Um, and I, I really learned out of necessity to, to pull it back and start focusing more more on one direction and and the overall value it'll create for the company. All right. Well, looking forward to see what seeing what happens there for you. But let's switch topics from business to family. I know you're married. How long have you been married? I've been married since 2015, and uh, I absolutely love it. I I truly believe every every man has every person has you know a table that makes them up with four legs and those legs are what, you know, you consider to make, you know, what everyone envisions themselves. I envision myself as a family man, hard worker, responsible, you know, and, and without my family, I don't know what I would, I would just, I would not make it for sure. My, my wife, Elena is absolutely the, CEO of our family and uh I, I I I can truly say she's made me who I am today for sure she always uh she's not she hates business so I can't talk to her about being here but I always bring up big decisions here to her because she's not her mind's just not cluttered with all the stuff I got bouncing around up here and she has a real uncanny ability to shoot straight right through all of the noise and tell me something that's you know i'm just like well yeah that makes sense i don't know why i wasn't thinking of it but you know and and so she she's my rock and keeps me keeps me uh level-headed and definitely keeps me on my toes and uh so do my two little girls i have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old my eight-year-old zoe and my six-year-old is nova and they keep me firmly wrapped around their fingers for sure. I'm not the disciplinarian in the household. I'm, I'm more of a, I think I get, got that from my mom. You know, she spent a lifetime counseling kids and, and stuff. And she had a very uh, high empathy level for, for most people. And I can't help, but when she, you know, 
when they get fussed at, I'm immediately thinking, oh, but they didn't mean it or they just aren't thinking they're kids, you know, but at some point you got to put your thumb on them. And uh, that's where Elena comes in. Uh, but yeah, I, that's pretty much all I do. I love my in-laws. I'm blessed to have in-laws that are like my family now. You know, I, I consider my father-in-law my biggest kind of role model. And uh, he's built such, him and his, his dad, uh, Charlie Sr., they built such a great reputation in the Marine industry. They're so well-known. Um, just, you know, I, I've been, I've gotten opportunities just by, people knowing that, you know, he's my father-in-law, which has went a long way. And uh, luckily enough, he's this six, five monster that uh, is the nicest, most down earth guy I know for sure. And uh, my mother-in-law is just as great. You know, she, uh, she's like my mother now. They've all been just, I've just been blessed for real. I just really feel like I'm lucky to even, I hit the lottery with, with my family and my in-laws. I mean, I hear so many stories of people that just, you know, they don't get along. I don't have that problem whatsoever. So. Well, what is their story in the, in the Marine industry? So don't quote me on it, but um, I do know, see, so my, my uh, father-in-law's dad, Charlie senior, they act, it's funny because they call him, Big Charlie and my father-in-law, little Charlie, even though it's the opposite, you know, one's six, five and the other one's, you know, five, 11, maybe. And, but Charlie senior worked for man, they're going to kill me for not knowing this. Uh, I want to say like the Joe McCall's or the, Mc if you know, Secor, you know, um, the guy that's involved with uh, a lot of their boats and vessels are named after their family but uh graham maybe it's graham golf and uh back in the 80s and in 70s the oil market and, and especially the offshore side that was really the crazy payday of of just money flying around everywhere um and my i guess you would call him grandpa-in-law you know <laughs> uh you know little charlie my father-in-law's dad he really came up in that industry, he would be a great person to talk to about the history, you know, boots on ground type crazy stuff that would go on. You know, uh, he he he's always fun at family gatherings to sit around and he'll tell stories, you know, nonstop about, you know, going check on a boat and they got a drum set set up in the, in the engine room, like stuff that just would never happen now, but man, it did then. And, uh, but they, they definitely, he came up and, and basically, uh, helped make grand golf, grand golf. And, um, uh, he, he was even way up there. I think at the start of Secor, you know, he was, he was involved with the beginnings of that. And so they're very well known. And, and my father-in-law, Charlie, he came up right behind his dad as, you know, a, a diesel mechanic for these boats you know and he worked his way up into the office and now he's i think senior port captain over all of all of secor's boats and um he's he's just he's proof of how you can work hard and be consistently 
reliable in your job and and what to expect from you as a person that that's really what built both of their reputations you know it's not for doing you know anything other than being great people who are good at their job you know and uh it's always been inspiring for me you know it's one of those things that really keeps me you know pushing and, and trying to keep my feet under me and just do the work and the rest will take care of itself actually um Charlie's dad, the guy I was talking about, Charlie Sr., I guess, he came and worked for Basin for a while, um, doing pretty much he was going to do what Larry's doing. And the man just is such a hard worker. He ended up, you know, working himself out of the job. I was telling him, you know, you can't go in the engine room, you know, and tear the, the engine apart. You know, you're like 65, you know, but he was down there doing it. You know, and uh, for health reasons, I, I don't think he, I think he decided to, all right, I'll, I'll stop before I give myself a heart attack or something. But, uh, you know, that opened up the door for Larry and I wouldn't have it any other way. So the last time I saw you in person, Ross, you were showing some videos. I think you're, you're enrolled your, your daughters <laughs> in martial arts. Teaching yes. them fight. Tell me about that. How are they enjoying that? Oh, they love it for sure. They love it. Uh, I love it. I've done it my whole life, the jujitsu and uh, kickboxing. And my cousin, Jesse, who used to run the repair division here, he's a black belt in jujitsu, which is just phenomenal, in my opinion. It's, if you know jujitsu, you know how hard that is to, to get. And, uh, you know, I always knew I wanted my girls to be in jujitsu because of how I got started in it. I went in there because I had never heard of jujitsu. I went there to do kickboxing that, you know, this was when I was like 16. I was like, I hadn't even heard of jujitsu. And when I went to sign up, uh, the owner's mom was Steve Miller, a great friend of mine today. She said she was getting the paperwork together and I was watching them having a open mat, which is, Basic for jujitsu, which is basically sparring, but for jujitsu wrestling, you know, trying to submit each other. And I watched this girl, Megan, who works at LNH Printing in town now. People don't, you just don't know who you're messing with because I watched her tie this guy that was twice as big as me into a knot practically over and over and over, and he couldn't do anything about it. So, uh, you know, I really got fascinated by that. And I said, whatever that is, I want to do it. And so that's how I got started with jujitsu. And um, I knew just in my experience in jujitsu, my girls, specifically my girls, were going to be in it because it's the only thing that would give me actual peace of mind, knowing that they can take care of themselves. Because jujitsu is not about size. And anyone, I mean, it helps, but you you just have to know the you know the realm of jujitsu to understand it the way I do but I always knew I would get them in it and as soon as they were old enough I put them in it my eldest Zoe is just so such a natural with it I don't know where she gets it from but especially with the the MMA side they you know most people don't put their kids especially an eight-year-old or seven at the time into a sparring match where they punch each other in the face you know you don't see that very often and it's kind of jarring at first 
but man, it teaches them so many lessons. It, it teaches them confidence. It teaches them, you know, that they're tougher than they really think they are. And, uh, again, I, I never missed a chance to pull out the highlight reel for Zoe. You know, when I came and visited y'all the other day, I had to show y'all. And, uh, she, it's just, you would think watching your kid hit a home run and baseball is, is super, you know, uh, exciting i swear i love watching my girls punch other people in the face <laughs> like not in a you know you know a crazy way but just like yeah you know like they're just tough it's just seeing it all in one is is hard to describe it's just i'm proud super proud of them super impressed with them i couldn't ask for better kids absolutely well ross that pretty much does my questions uh do you have anything else to share I wish I had more stories, you know, I can, I think one of the craziest stories, you know, that I've had is, you know, in 2019, when we were, when we were getting uh, our first, second boat, you know, in 20 years, we got the John G. Morgan. Uh, I found that boat through Charlie, um, who led me on to Mr. Ted, uh, Ted Morgan, and who owned the boat in an intercoastal city and great boat. He worked with me, fantastic guy. He would be worth, you know, seeing as well. Um, and, you know, so 2019, when we got it, I, I got the boat chartered. I worked the contract with Cooper and both were month to month. So it was a very safe play for me. I don't like, you know, I didn't want to do what Basin, you know, because we had to fold in uh, with Basin Marine because, like so many people, when the downturn happened, you had all this work and then you didn't. And if you owed on your vessels, there was little you could do. So I, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. And so it was a perfect, it just, the stars aligned for me. And it was really, you know, 2019, 2020 were like the epitome of what I had been working for. You know, vote on contract. Uh, we doing this huge Bechtel job, you know, with Canal. Every every corner I looked was was finally doing great, and I swear I was so nervous uh, the day the contract started, um, January first of twenty nineteen. I called the boat at like three thirty in the morning because uh, they were supposed to leave at six, and I woke up, called them from my bed, hey, trying to get them on the phone. They didn't answer, and uh, I was like, "That's not good." And, you know, I waited 30 minutes, called them at four. They didn't answer. I drove over here. They wouldn't even wake up. So I spent the morning pulling those guys off the boat and taking the taking our, our guys from the Endeavor, putting them on the boat and saying, I'm going to get you crew changed. Just, you know, get started. And uh, it's little things like that that always keep me um, grateful for the guys we do have here because one thing I can remember, everyone on the Endeavor, they were they were supposed to be getting off. They didn't bat an eye, you know, and that's our long-term crew on the Endeavor, the guys we've worked with for years, and they didn't even question it. They just hopped on the boat and went, and uh, it's it. I don't think it was a big deal if we didn't leave that day, but to me, it was. You know, I just, I, I wanted it to go off without a hitch, so that was one of the crazier things that's happened to me which isn't that crazy. It's probably pretty common <laughs> in the marine industry. But um, yeah, that was a big learning experience for me. Man, I think what you're doing is is going to be great. 
you know, it's going to get you one. You're you're like uh, Mr. Oren said, I one just watching that episode got me hooked because I love the industry to begin with. And hearing the stories that he was telling of the start of Ingram and and all of the mishaps they had. It's funny how someone from my standpoint, knowing that most people only see success in, in companies, they don't see what it took to get there. I still was so surprised at how many times they they just kind of got into a situation and figured their way out of it. You know, it gave me peace of mind because I feel like I'm just I'll make the same mistakes twice you know <laughs> and and just really feel like why am I not getting it and you know was it helps knowing you're not alone and that everybody's you know no one's special you know Facebook didn't happen overnight it didn't start off as Facebook it's just your ability to be resourceful and uh keep keep pushing you know um so I I love that that episode um and I think cataloging all of the history of the the industry i i just think you're gonna uncover some gems for sure because i'm not very good at telling stories you know you know i feel like everyone i know that's older they just are so good at just spouting off some very fun stories to listen to uh i know you're gonna find some people that are just like orin and, and the guys you've already you know uh interviewed that are gonna just i can't wait to see where it goes so, Ross, have you heard of the Maritime Throwdown? Yeah, I heard of it first through Pat Folan, um with TBS Solutions. Uh, I think he forwarded an email to me or something, and uh, he knew I would I would appreciate it. So I looked at it, and uh, from that on, that point on, I, I just got really into it, and uh, I really like it. I've always wanted our own crews to be on it, um, but it just never seems to uh, come to come to fruition. But uh, I think what they're doing is is a perfect way to build, you know, uh, a, a culture of never ending improvement, you know, for for deckhands and mariners. Well, Ross, again, I think that pretty much does my questions, man. I do appreciate your time this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to seeing where you go with this thing. I think you're going to do great things for sure. Thanks a lot, man. I hope so. Yes, sir. Take care. Right. See you around. Bye-bye. And if you need any help with it, please let me know. Yeah, I bet you got, <laughs> you got a huge list of people. And I was thinking before today, I was thinking earlier of, of people I could send you in the direction of.